Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Does It Hold Up podcast. My name is Adam. And I'm Emily. And you know the drill, we go back and we watch old movies, some of your favorite movies of all time, to see if they would hold up to today's standards. Today we're going back to the year 2000. And we're continuing our superhero movies with... X-Men. That's right, the original X-Men. Not the first class people, not whatever is happening right now. We're going back to that OG classic, first time we ever saw him on the big screen, cast. The best cast. (laughs) Fight me on it, I do not care. This was a great cast, except for maybe one or two, which we are definitely going to get into a little bit later. Okay. So, if you haven't seen the movie, X-Men is all about a group of people with mutant abilities. They could be anything from telekinesis to mind reading to bone claws or metal claws, optic blasts, running through walls, power of magnetism, shape-shifting, just a ton of different stuff. This is based on a Marvel comic property. And in this movie, we follow Professor Xavier and his students, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Rogue, Wolverine, Storm. Right? Am I missing anybody? No, those are the main ones we deal with in this movie. Yep. And they are going against Magneto and his band of merry men, Mystique, Toad, and Sabretooth. They both want mutants to be able to live in this world, but Professor Xavier and his crew want to do it the right way by just getting the society to accept them. Magneto wants to kind of just destroy things. He's chaos. Sure. Right? Like, (laughs) he doesn't care how it gets done. He just wants it done. Yeah, he's willing to do whatever it takes to get it done. Exactly. And they are going up against, for the most part, Senator Kelly, who is trying to pass a mutant registration bill, and neither one of them want to do that. So, it's a really interesting concept of, like, We have our main antagonist, who feels very secondary, but it's really Senator Kelly is the main antagonist. He's what sets off everything in this movie. Right? Yeah. But he's such a minor character. It's like the weirdest thing in this movie. Well, mostly because he's, he's like, taking the place of the man, and it's the two opposing sides of it that are actually having this battle. They want they're the not. same thing, but they're doing it in different ways, so their ideolo- ideologies Oh, yeah, collide. they're definitely on ideological si- different sides. But they're not really fighting each other more than trying to prevent each other from going a step too far or not going far enough. Yeah. It's really Senator Kelly and the U.S. government that they're kind of fighting against. It's it's a weird movie for that reason. is I. Normally, you know who exactly your antagonist is, and that's who they fight. And that's not even what happens here. <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's break it down. So that's the summary. Uh, Magneto's grand plan is he's going to turn regular humans, uh, world leaders who are gathering at Ellis Island for a summit, he's going to turn them all into mutants. That way they have no choice but to respect mutants and allow mutants, since they'll be one of them. All right, let's break this down. Let's get into our characters here. 
We're going to run through just a couple here who are the side characters, but I want to touch upon them because I think everybody has an important role in this movie, but obviously some are bigger than others. Yeah. So let's start with Senator Kelly himself, played by Bruce Davison. What I don't, do you think? I don't think they gave him enough to work with. I honestly think he could have been a much more interesting character had we been able to spend more time with him, but because he was the secondary antagonist... He, or, well, he was supposed to be the primary antagonist, but he felt so secondary because they didn't give him enough to do. Um, 100% with you. It's he, as our antagonist who sets off all the events, should have had more to do, but they didn't really want to focus on that, and it kind of divided the movie for me. But Bruce Davison was really good. He definitely felt like a very smarmy senator. Yeah. Where it was just, man, if he was actually in the Senate in, in our real world, I'd be like, yeah, you you fit right in. You you crushed it. For the little amount that you had to do, you were really good at it. All right, moving on, we're going to go to Toad, uh, played by a personal favorite of mine, Ray Park, who is a stuntman in a lot of movies. He shows up in a lot of movies, but he never really gets anything to do. Like, he was Darth Maul in uh, a Star Wars prequel, the first one, a Phantom Menace. There it is. Star Wars, a Phantom Menace. He was Darth Maul, and yet he had somebody else dub the voice. He just moved his mouth. It wasn't even him talking. They always do that. They put him under makeup. They do all this stuff, and they don't let him do anything, but he's amazing, and I wanted to talk about him. Oh, so, he's he's wonderful, and I'm really, really, really mad that they got rid of him at the end of this movie. Like, I want him in more things. Like, Toad should just survive because I mean, that's what toad. he does. Yeah, he just survives. I just, just put Ray Park in things. It doesn't even matter what it is. Just put him in things. And if you guys haven't like gone online and looked at some of his videos, check, check him out. It's amazing. There's times he's just walking in a mall or he's going to a movie event or something and people will hand him sticks and fake lightsabers and all this other stuff and just watch this man's martial arts prowess. It's amazing. And I'm so glad he got to talk in this, even though he only has four lines, I think. But he makes the most of it. And, and his, his voice just, works for this role. Oh, absolutely. And his, his what, physicality? Mannerisms, yeah. Really everything was so out. weird. Like he, but I loved he it. He creeps me out as Toad. Where I'm like, dude, I just, if I touched you, you're probably really slimy. <laughs> but like, in a good way? I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just love him and had to talk about him. Because he does not get as much love as he deserves. Yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to have Storm, who's played by Holly Berry. Talk to me. She was uh, kind of laughable in this movie uh, from her accent to how she delivers her lines. Like she's saying something super profound. It's it's almost like a joke. And I, I'm really saddened because this character should be so much more than she is. No, actually, so I don't like Holly Berry's performance, but I think they nailed the character for the most part. Because if you if you read a lot of comics, if you watch the 90s animated cartoon, which this is very heavily inspired by, Storm is super powerful, but man, she gets sidelined a lot because she's always like, I used my powers and now I'm so weak. And it's like, oh my God, you just annoy the crap out of me. <laughs> I She's better in the comics. Uh, eventually, she starts off kind of weird, but yeah, so Holly Berry is like annoying for me, but also kind of exactly matched what I believe a real Storm would be like. I know. I think I just want more for her. I don't. In, she, in all ways, I want more for that character because she should be better than she is. I don't even like Storm. Like, the only good thing she's ever done is she married T'Challa and, like, ran Wakanda, and that was really interesting. 
But every Storm-centric comic book is just bland to me, so... Well, yeah, probably because they don't know how to write her. Or she's just not a good character to write. Next up, we got Jean Grey, played by Famke Jensen. She is so meh for me. She's so bland in this movie. And I just, I don't understand why she has two men pining after her in this movie, because she's just there. I mean, she, that's fair. She becomes way more in the next movies, but like in this movie, she's just kind of there. Well, I'm wondering if that's the point. I'm wondering if they kept her a little docile and sidelined in this one so that they could build her instead of making her like right out the gate. Oh my God, look how cool she is. Because then like, where do you go from there? Well, it also helps that this isn't her story. She's not the main focus at all, besides the fact that she's in a love triangle that take up way too much screen time, That's in great. my opinion. Right from the comics. Rip that shit right from the pages. Yeah. Doesn't need to be there. Anyway, uh, it wasn't her story, so it's okay that she's meh. Oh, yeah. All right. Next up, we got Mystique, played by Rebecca Romaine. Rebecca Romaine Stamos, as she's credited in this movie, but since then has just turned into Rebecca Romaine. You do you, girl. She great. She is so badass in this movie. And I love hot. her. I love her so much. The makeup work on her is so great. Listen, I didn't think. Okay, so there's like this trend on TikTok right now where uh, one of the little filters like dings and says achievement unlocked, and then you can type in whatever you want there. And a lot of it's really funny stuff, like people watching a video and then being like achievement unlocked, kink desired, or something like that. <laughs> watching this movie, that little thing goes above my head. And it's like, blue is your color. <laughs> like, I have never been attracted to a blue person more than I am with Mystique. I mean, I think I feel like we were all that way, watching Mystique. Oh, still am. I was <laughs> and still am. I watched this movie and I'm like, damn. And she's a badass in this. Like, She goes toe-to-toe with like everyone yeah. she meets. And she gets even better in the sequels. Yeah. Well, except for the third one. Let's not talk about that one. Yeah. Uh... But, like, she's cool. She's so confident. Like, Rebecca Romaine owned this character. Like, she is... Jennifer Lawrence, I'm not a huge fan. I think she was pretty good in the first X-Men movie, First mm. Class. I think she was okay there. I think she got worse when they started to focus on her. But she just lacked this confidence that Mystique's supposed to have. But Rebecca Romaine nails it. Like, if she walked into a room, she knows who she is, and she's going to turn heads, and she's going to love every second of it and own that shit. Well, to be fair, you know, Jennifer Lawrence was never going to be a good casting for that role, since she's supposed to be, like, that girl next door, so that's all she kind of knows how to do. She sucks. Yeah, gotcha. So, this is not a girl next door role. No. And, like, they wrote the character pretty well. I wish she had more to do, but she does start out as like Magneto's little sidekick and then she she grows into her own being throughout stories. So I think that's kind of where they started here and I just absolutely love it. Okay, we're going into one of my favorite characters in this movie who is sorely underserved. It's Cyclops, played by James Marsden. All I have written down for him is his name in all caps, James Marsden, is pristine. Uh, he's I love him. I love him. Talking about crush-worthy characters... He was mine. I love his sass. It's just on point at all times. And he's a hell of an actor who doesn't get enough credit for me. He should be in more things. Um, it's funny. If you follow his career, he's always like the other guy. Right? Like he's never the main guy. He's always just the other guy. Except in 27 Dresses. Oh, yeah, that's true. He gets the girl in that one. 
Yeah, terrible girl, but you know, he oh, gets yeah. her. Oh, God, let's not talk about it. <laughs> uh, but no, he's great. I think he's like the epitome of Cyclops, where it's like, Chris Evans was the all-American hero for Captain America. James Marsden did it first. Like, he's got a little bit of an edge to him, like Cap gets eventually. But in this, it's like, he you buy him as the leader, where it's like, he is follow the rules, boy scout, let's go kick some butt. But he's also so realistic in the fact of like, hey, stay away from my girl. Like, he has those moments where he's not just like the perfect poster boy. Yes. He's a real human in this. Scott Summers, the person, is completely different than Cyclops. And I think James Marsden really balanced, balanced those well. Yeah. So, all right. Next up, we have Rogue, played by Anna Paquin. She was passable for me. Um, plays the new and afraid of her powers really well, except for the fact that sometimes she overacts and her accent is not always there. Facts. I, I can't really add anything to that. I think she's serviceable. She gets the job done and that's it. Move on. Which is really sad because I love the character of Rogue. Yeah. I just always have. So it's just like, eh. Yeah. Well, she was one of the main four I wanted to talk about, but I feel like you just kind of summed it up really quickly and easily, so we're going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is Magneto, played by the always wonderful Sir Ian McKellen. Oh my gosh, he is one of the most perfect people that you could have cast for this role. I mean, Michael Fassbender does good with the role. Yeah, when we're talking about old Magneto. But I'm yes. just saying, Ian McKellen, the one for this role. And he is so sure that he's doing the right thing that even the audience almost believes him. You're just like, yeah. I mean, this is for mutant kind. Right, he Do goes it. About, so he reminds me a lot of like, everybody talks about the Thanos thing where it's like, we connect with the bad guy in Thanos of like, Ooh, he makes really good points. Is he right? Magneto did it first because he goes about it the wrong way. Same thing with Thanos. You don't need to snap away half the universe. So you're go both going about it the wrong way, but like Magneto's not wrong. From history proves that there's no way people are just going to accept mutants and live together. Oh, yeah, no. It's almost the idea of the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. He's having to be the squeaky wheel. He's having to put it out there and really do something extreme to but he make sure get his... the grease. Uh, well, yeah, because the X-Men stop him but from just, being too extreme. What's amazing is... Surya McKellen is just so good in this role and coming from like, I think it really helped coming from like a play background and like a Shakespearean kind of background because he adds this gravitas to this character where you're like, damn, this man's seen some things. He's been through some things and he's come out the other side a little bitter, a little angry and he's a showboat. He is a, a look at me, look at me, I'm the center of attention and that's how he gets things and I think it plays really well. I mean, he is able to pull off the, I am a god. You, all of you normal people should bow before me. Like, oh yeah, it's really hard to put, you know, get that across in a realistic way. And he just does it. What's amazing to me about him is he finished filming this movie in December, 1999 for it to be released in July. Immediately. Second week of January. He was in New Zealand playing Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. It was like a two and a half week break between this movie and Gandalf. If that 
these are completely different kinds of characters. If that's not honing your craft, I don't know what is. And both are so iconic. Oh, yeah. Like, during this time, he had this run of three movies for the X-Men franchise. At the same time, he had three Lord of the Rings movies. There's only one other actor I can think of who did something like that, and it's Orlando Bloom between yeah. Pirates and Lord of the Rings, but they were much more separated. Yes, they were. But ah, just so good. All right, moving on. We got Professor Xavier, played by the delightful Sir Patrick Stewart. It is amazing to have two different sirs in this cast, and he is another perfect casting for this. He is Professor X, so much so that that is why he had to come back in Multiverse of Madness is because he is the quintessential live-action Professor X. And he's he, he plays the all-knowing yet humble so well that you're wanting to follow him. You're wanting to fight for him. It's incredible. He's he's fantastic. I, I don't know what else to say about him other than that. Um, he's been He was like everybody's fan cast back in like the early 90s. Like, we knew him from the comics, and then we saw Sir Patrick Stewart in um, Star Trek, and we were like, man, he kind of looks like Professor Xavier. And then the 90s cartoon hit, and we got to actually hear and see Professor X kind of, like, moving and not just on the page. And all of a sudden, it was like, wow, there's only one man who can do this, and it's Sir Patrick Stewart. And if they don't hire him, we will boycott. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure Brian Singer, the director, understood the assignment, because that was the guy he wanted. He was like, there's nobody else that can play this role. It has to be you. I mean, it's so hard to pull off that kind of like wise man who has all the right intentions. I just love the way he speaks as him. Yes. It's so controlled and yet a hint of something deeper. I'm not even sure what it is, but it's there. Dude, the instant that narration happens at the beginning of the movie i'm just like chills i'm ready for this absolutely and last but not least or maybe least i don't know we'll get into it we have wolverine played by hugh jackman i liked his performance in this role he he plays the lovable a-hole uh who can kick ass there is but nothing is lovable about him I found him somewhat lovable, mm. and mainly because I like the uh, relationship between him and Rogue. Maybe that's what made him a little you know, more lovable to me. Hmm. If that relationship was with Kitty Pride, the person that it's supposed to be with. Yeah, I mean, Kitty wasn't super important to this role, so I kind of understood why they had to change that character. Meh. I don't know. He's fine. Um, obviously, he's played... Wolverine for like 17 years or something like that. He's going to play Wolverine again one more time in the upcoming Deadpool 3 in 2024, mm -hmm. which will be 24 years of him playing this character, which is just insane. Yeah. So like, obviously he did something right. Just something about him just rubs me wrong. And I'll get into it a little further when we get into the knit orchard and the okay. things that don't hold up. But he is, he's a great actor. You know what I really wanted? Hmm. If you have Hugh Jackman in the role, they should have put a musical number in. <laughs> Wolverine just breaks out in the song. Like, he could be by himself in the car singing something. I don't know, man. They should have just had Hugh Jackman do something. You just musical. want him for his voice. Yeah, it's just, if you have him, why aren't you using it? He's great. Let him sing. It's fair. 
All right. Anything else you want to say about any of the cast? No, I, I pretty much covered everything that I wanted to cover. Excellent. All right. Let's get into what the critics thought. So first up, you know, we're going to talk about Roger Ebert, who ended up only giving this two and a half stars. A little lower than I thought he would have given it, considering that last week when we did Blade, he gave that three stars. Yeah, that's a little surprising. Yeah, well, I guess this just uh, wasn't his cup of tea. Here is my favorite quote from Ebert's review. Magneto's team is not as colorful as the good guys and includes Mystique, who in Japanese anime tradition can change her shape as her costume tries to keep up, and Toad, who has a tongue that can whip out to great distances. Why is it that Xavier's team has impressive skills while Magneto's team has specialties that would prove invaluable to a stripper? <laughs> if that doesn't say how he feels about this movie, that that's the kind of stuff he was thinking about while watching it, I don't, like, I don't know what else to say. I mean, that is so true, though, is that, you know, Professor X has all these, like, insane powers behind him, and then Magneto has Toad. So he, he always has Toad. I get that, but like out of all the people that you could have gotten, you so, got that one. <laughs> super funny, right? Because in that review section, in that little part that I just told you about, he mentions Mystique and Toad, forgetting that Sabretooth is also like Sabretooth is actually second next to Mystique. Toad's like on the bottom, but he mentions those two and not Sabretooth. Funny thing about that is. We just ran through all the characters. We didn't mention Sabretooth. Yeah, he's kind of forgettable. Sabretooth was played by Taylor Maine, a former professional wrestler turned actor. He's been in a lot of movies. He's always that big, huge muscle guy during that early 2000s. He's great. He was fine. Forgettable. Yeah. That's why we forgot him. But I just wanted to mention it, that it's funny that Ebert forgot him and we forgot him. <laughs> because it just doesn't matter. I figured you didn't say him on purpose. No, oh, no, I have him written down in my notes. I just completely glossed over him. <laughs> Not sure why. So, uh. all right, Rotten Tomatoes critic scores. Currently, the movie sits at 82%. A little low, but it's all right. Yeah. Audience score is currently 83%. So, like, right dead even with critics. Makes perfect sense. I think this is one of those movies that everybody just understands what it is. There's no like, oh my God, it's, everybody thinks it's a hundred percent, but critics are idiots and put it at a 60. Like it is just a B movie and that is it. <laughs> and everybody knows that. Yeah. All right. Cinema score was an A minus though. Yeah. They got what you want, came in for. Yeah. They were like, Hey, we're going to give you mutants. And then you went in and there was a whole bunch of mutants. Yeah. So A minus budget 75 million. What? Seems like a lot, but around that time, most superhero or big budget, you know, summer blockbusters were going for like 100 to 120 million. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that, actually. Yeah, it's a little low, but that's the only way Fox would do it because they didn't know if this was going to turn into a franchise. So they kept it real low. Domestically, it brought in $157,299,717. Internationally, it was $139,572,650. For a grand total of $296,872,367. What do you think? I think it's good, but that's just me. It's about, it's just a little under four times its budget. So yeah, good. Yeah, it's not bad. 
it's not like breaking any numbers, but you know. Yeah, it's not breaking box office records or anything like that. Uh, it only made fifty-four million on its opening weekend, which was a little low. But this was new to like comic books weren't a big thing yet. Yeah, they it weren't was, like comic book that movies was everywhere. Still, the time when it was not cool to be into comics. So don't I know it? <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, you want to talk about comics at school today? Well, who the hell are you, nerd? Get out of here! Yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah. So it kind of makes a little bit more sense, and I think it's kind of what really brought superheroes back into the main uh, stream. Right, so I'm a Spider-Man fan, and two years later, we get Spider-Man number one, mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, and it goes on to be the first movie to make, uh, I, won't, I won't say a lot, because um, we're going to cover that movie actually next week. Yeah. But that was the movie that everybody kind of says set off the superhero trend, but I'm going to tell you. Last week we did Blade, that did really well at the box office. This week we're doing X-Men, did pretty well at the box office. I think these were the precursors. I think this was the start of it. Like This was the, the set of movies that really made it a feasible genre of movies to go out onto they, mainstream. They got the train rolling a little bit, and then Spider-Man came along, and all of a sudden it was a bullet train. Yeah. Yeah. But without these movies, I don't know if Spider-Man does as well. Yeah. So that's a nice hot take there. Yeah. It's not my <laughs> hot take. I got a completely different one for you. Oh, movie, I know. But, all right. Let's get into what holds up. You want to go first? Sure. Give me, give me something that holds up for you. Uh, for me, the character designs being closely based on the comics, but being a little bit more realistic to our world really works for me. I didn't need the yellow spandex that I know many people kind of sorely miss. Shut your mouth. I thought their costumes were okay a little bit. Like, eh. Hey, guys, if anybody out there is listening, I need a new co-host. That's a terrible take. (laughs) Hey, I thought they did really well keeping the designs rather close. Like Wolverine's hair, Storm's hair, all of that idea. Yeah, that's fine. Where's the costumes? Yeah. I I need Cyclops to be in big blue with a yellow belt. No, please no. Those are so gaudy and just not something that would happen in our universe. Absolutely. I will wear that tomorrow. Great. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) All right, keep going. What else you got? Uh, The opening is still just heartbreaking. And so... That's uh, the second thing on my list as well. Yeah. Is the opening sequence. It... Gut punch. Every single time that I watch it, it's just like, oh my God. And you feel... this That kid actor, he only had to work a little bit, but he did so well he made the most of his role dude it was you felt it that he was being pulled away from his family and he was never going to see them again so if you guys don't know the opening sequence to this movie is a young eric lencher who is that's the real name of magneto is in a concentration camp being separated from his mother and this is when we get to see his powers manifest as the ss are trying to take him away and separate them and Eric is reaching out for her crying and screaming in the pouring rain in mud. And the metal fence that's separating them is just mangled beyond belief until they hit him with the butt of a gun and knock him out. Yeah, it is just heartbreaking and scary how powerful he is at such a young age. Yeah, and that's what sets off his crusade against humans because once they start doing the whole registration act, he immediately goes, okay. I've been through that You're going to register us. You're going to stamp a number on us. You're going to carve a number into us. And we will never forget. 
and I'm yeah. not going through that again. And it makes his plight so much more realistic, and you feel for him. So let me ask you a question real quick. Mm-hmm. Because the opening scene is Magneto, is this Magneto's movie? I could see it. Is it kind of setting us up to know his journey more than anybody else's? It's, I see it more now than I did back when I first watched this movie. Because you thought it was Wolverine's movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Wolverine, uh, rogue story. But I see it more now because I know, you know, what happened in the Holocaust. I understand humanity a little bit more now that I'm kind of a little bit more on his side of like, oh, yeah, humans are terrible. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I... Just, it's something I happen to notice this time even more. Like, I've, I've noticed it in the past, but this time I was like, you know, I, I think this is the first time I've watched this movie since going to film school and starting to work in the industry and really being able to, like, dissect and analyze movies and just knowing that whoever's story it is is where you kind of want to start. You want to bring them in. You want to ground them and connect them to the audience. And the fact that this opening sequence is so heartbreaking and it's Eric's story it really just makes me connect with him immediately. And then the whole time I found myself just going, yeah, kill everybody. Who cares? Honestly, I think you needed that opening and how just heart-wrenching it is. Otherwise, Magneto will just be the enemy in this movie. You will not have the the feelings you have exactly. for him without it. Exactly. So yeah, great opening. Uh, what else you got? Uh, the whole idea of Magneto and Professor X wanting the same thing, but going about it in two different ways, uh, kind of mirroring uh, Malcolm X and King, yeah. just is so profound and still holds up so much to today of like, this is how people go about it. They normally hit those extremes. Oh, and, yeah. And it's happening now. You got the people who, uh, you know, we just went through this, what, two years ago. Uh, there was protests for, I'm not going to get into a lot of political stuff, but there were protests throughout the entire United States. And some were, let's throw Molotov cocktails, let's flip cars, let's break things, let's rob stores, let's... And then there were other ones where it was like, we're just going to hang out in the streets and we're going to make our voice heard. There's always going to be those two extremes, the two sides of the coin. And that's exactly what you get in this movie. Yeah. So I thought that was very realistic and very well portrayed in this movie. Do you have any before I finish off? Yeah, keep going. Okay. Finish yours off, and then we'll go through a couple of mine. Uh, you're, hi you're hitting some of mine, so. Oh, okay. Uh, most of the powers shown were done really, really well. Uh, I think they held up a lot better than uh, I actually imagined they would going into this, mostly because it's been, you know, 22 years. Yeah. Uh, it, it almost looks like half of the stuff that we get today in Marvel movies. So I was just like, okay. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Wolverine's claws, they look really good in this movie. And then you get something like 2009's X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and they are absolute garbage, which was seven years later. You'd think they'd get better. Yeah. Nine years later. Oh, yeah. But they got worse. Uh, I know I br uh, spoke about this one earlier, but the buildup of Wolverine and Rogue's relationship felt very natural, especially in their first conversations in the car. Uh, I thought that went well and made me really care about both these characters going forward. I think without that relationship, I wouldn't really care, especially about Wolverine. Agreed. I think they did a really good job portraying that they felt a kinship with each other. They both recognized where each other was coming from and what they were going through, and it kind of connected them almost immediately. They did do a pretty good job with that. Yeah. And then my last two is that the set design was so cool. 
I loved the lower level of the X-Mansion. I thought that design was really, really well done. Like the real clean, sterile mm -hmm. hallway look. Yeah. yeah. And Cerebro really looking just amazing still holds up. And then for me, the music is just stellar. That, mu that music comes on and I am like ready for it. I get the feels. Everything happens. I'm just like, yes, this is my X-Men. I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a great theme. Is it going to match the 90s cartoon? Absolutely not. But no. you can hear hints of the 90s cartoon theme. I think it was like this a love letter to that. Oh, absolutely. It was never, it, it could never match it without doing the exact same thing. I mean, I think that's the utmost X-Men. I, that I sing that the... all the time. He really does. It's kind of annoying. I just walk around <laughs> and I'm just like, da -na 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 -na. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> but that is the quintessential X-Men song. And I think this did a, a fair way of like. Oh, yeah. I'm not arguing. You know, nodding back to it, but making it something new. It's so good. Yeah. It, it's iconic. Like it hits and you're just like, oh, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That takes I'm me ready. back. I'm ready for this adventure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Here's some of the things that hold up for me that you did not touch upon. Yeah. Um, I really love the idea of the introspective part of mutants. Instead of it just being like, we're mutants, we have powers, let's fight. We like delve deep into what it's like being a mutant and kind of digging into their psyche. And we really get an introspective look at being a mutant in I mean, this movie. Especially, and it's so interesting. Especially focusing on a character like Rogue, where it's her power is literally detrimental to everyone near her. She and can't how touch people. She will, terrible she will steal that's their be. life force if she touches them. That's crazy. You're, you're basically getting sentenced to solitary in yeah. that moment because you will never feel someone's skin, basically. Until she meets Gambit. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, he's not even in this movie. Um, so I just really like that. I like that it wasn't just some big, dumb action movie. It really had heart to it, which I feel like some other superhero movies kind of lost along the way. Oh, yeah. And this one, I, I think, like, everybody's favorite movie in this original trilogy is X2, which, don't get me wrong, X2 is brilliant. I think they just lose a little bit of that, where it's more about, like, how can we showcase them being mutants? Where this one, it's like, they're mutants, but that's not all they are. Yeah, the second movie definitely, definitely got a little too out there in the fact of, like, they had, like, six different plot lines going at one time, and they just couldn't take the time to really delve into everything. Exactly. All right, so I had the opening scene. We already talked about that. I think the acting holds up really well. I think everybody crushes their role, except for you, Hugh Jackman. Um, <laughs> we're going to get into that. So um, some of the CGI, you said, I think it held up really well. I also think this is, movie is kind of funny. I think the humor holds up really well in this for the most part. Oh, yeah. And it's not like in-your-face humor like a lot of MCU it's not movies jokey. are now. It's not quippy. It's yeah. like realistic. Like, okay, one of my favorite things, and I don't have this anywhere else, so I might as well drop it in here, mm -hmm. is at the end of the movie, Mystique changes herself to look like Wolverine and they fight. And he gets separated from the group. And once he wins, he comes back to the group and he's like, whoa, 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 it's me. Because Cyclops is about to blast him with his optic beam. Right? Yeah. And Cyclops is like, is it you? Prove it. And Wolverine just looks at him and goes, you're a dick. And then Cyclops just lowers his hand and he's like, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, he just knows. Like, that is a funny, funny moment that is realistic. That is something, like, you and friends do where you're like, dude, come on, prove it to you. Yeah, you're a dick. Oh, yeah, it's totally you. 
makes yep. perfect sense. Yeah. That's so realistic. Earlier in that same scene, like, Wolverine damages a, a metal detector because he's setting it off. And Cyclops looks at him like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And, and Wolverine pulls down two of his claws to leave the middle one up. And that's, <laughs> again, how often did you do you give your the middle finger to your friends? All the time. Just like when they say something dumb, you give them the middle finger, and then Cyclops laughs it off, which is exactly what your friends do. Yeah. That's what makes this movie funny, is just those little moments that feel so real. Cerebro definitely holds up for me. Cerebro mm -hmm. looks so good. Like, if I was going to rip Cerebro out of the comics and out of the 90s cartoon and put it live action, that's exactly what I think it would look like. Oh, especially with the uh, effect of it actually working. They did really, really well having it be in that, like, fog and then just having people be there. Absolutely. I, it was a smart way to do it without having to do too much CGI. Yeah. That would have aged it horribly. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. Uh, I don't think the, the second trilogy of X-Men really did Cerebro justice, but this one definitely did. It's so good. It holds up 22 years later, for sure. Yeah. And the other things, I have two more things. Mystique. Mystique's transformations hold up really well for me. Yeah. They always do it at a distance, so you're not, like, looking at the detail of, like, oh, that looks stupid. Uh -huh. Yeah, they only do it once when it's, like, up close, and even then it doesn't look terrible. No, it's it's pretty good. Like, I like the way that they do it, too, where it, like, starts at one point, and then it's not, like, ground up. You know, a lot of, like, transformation stuff, they'll always do it, like, ground up, where it's, like, start at the feet, and then the camera will slowly pan up, and as it's panning up, they're changing. And it's like, oh, that's an easy way to hide hide it you know mm -hmm. this one like it would start like in her face like in an eye or something and then it would span expand over her whole body start in her chest and go out like it was crazy the way it worked and it looks so good and the last thing i have is this movie's kind of scary in moments i always think about the the horror aspect of this film like first of all these guys have powers and they're terrifying but the train sequence is horrific when they're at the train station mm-hmm Cyclops is looking around because Storm is being basically been kidnapped by Sabretooth and he's choking her so she can't ask for help. That's terrifying in its own right. But then as Cyclops looking around, you see Toad scale the wall behind him. Yeah. And that is horror movie vibes where you're like, damn, that's a demon or something coming. <laughs> it's so it's but it's a great thing because these guys ha are, are super strong. They're scary. Yeah. Why not lean into it a little bit? Yeah. So it works so well so oh, well. yeah it does all right you got anything else for holds up no all right let's destroy this movie what doesn't hold up for me i know i just said that some of the effects are really good some of the other effects not so much especially when wolverine is being like thrown off the side of uh the statue of liberty and he like uses claws to like whip back up it looks so rubbery oh, and terrible so bad but really, like, that one moment stands out. Yeah. Not a lot of the other ones. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, some. Not some. a lot, yeah. but, like, some are not great. For me, uh, particularly, like, Senator Kelly's powers and his eventual death are just terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely terrible. What else you got on your list? Uh, I absolutely hate the love triangle. And it's not just that it's a love triangle. The fact that it's just so cringy. And, like, they don't have chemistry, so it doesn't work for me. Hot take. All right. 
How is that a hot, I don't know how that's a hot take. I don't, I don't think anybody else really has a problem with it. it. It's ripped right from the comic pages. Yeah, it's just that none of them have chemistry, so I'm like, eh, I don't get why What's weird to all me, y'all I, are going What I can so add on to that is I think Famke Jensen and Hugh Jackman have more chemistry than Famke and James Marsden. Yeah. And so that's weird because it's like she's with Cyclops, but she has more chemistry with Wolverine. But also, like, that comes right from the comic book pages because there's a lot of times she's totally into wolverine more than cyclops but she's already with cyclops so yeah all right what else and then for me some of the sound effects were a little bit off like there's a specific part at the beginning with wolverine fighting and like every time he punches it's the same metal sound effect which only happens in that one scene because we never hear that metal effect again when he's fighting he gets a a little bit of that metallic sound at the end battle with mystique and that's mostly when she's hitting him Especially in the private area, that, oh, yep. that sound effect yep, you is get brought that back. Cling right there. Yeah, so it's just it's good off. to know he has adamantium balls. Yeah, yeah. Didn't need to know that. That's not a bone, but yeah. But now we know adamantium balls. Yep. All right. Okay. What else you got? Uh, that's all that I have written down. I'm sure I'm gonna think of some as you bring yours up, or I'm gonna agree with you. Oh yeah. But that's right. really what I had. Here we go. Yeah. I got, I got a few. Okay. So the CGI, I'm with you. There's moments that just don't work. But I'm going to get into something else. The story. The story doesn't hold up. Uh, the opposite sides of a coin holds up. But M- Magneto's entire plan doesn't. The whole idea of like turning people into mutants just is dumb. Really? It's so dumb. Really? Yeah, it's awful. I disagree. This is this is something that this is an original story. This isn't based on anything that came prior to this movie. Anything from the comics or the cartoon or anything. And it's dumb. I can't stand it. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, this is there are so many different things you could have done. This is one of the worst things you could have done. This is stupid. Oh, who thought of this? Who was like this is a brilliant idea? Now, I didn't mind it. I really didn't because I could see his logic there of I'm going to turn all these world leaders into mutants. Therefore, they will know our plight and they will know. But will they? What, you know, I mean, yes, they're now, they would now have to register it as that. Mutant. They don't have to register that. The, the registration act hasn't, ha, act hadn't been approved yet. He was trying to stop that. Exactly. Nah. So they wouldn't want to necessarily be out there. It's and stupid. especially since mutations happen in different ways. Some of them might get some of the lesser mutations of like making them look a little bit weird. So I, I hate it. I hate this story. You'll just, never convince me otherwise that it's a good story. I think going against the Registration Act should have been the main focus, but the whole idea of turning people into mutants was completely ridiculous. See, I, I'll, I'll disagree Next with you up, that. Next up, I have the introductions. The fact that literally halfway through this movie, we're still kind of introducing characters because there's so many to get through just doesn't work. It doesn't hold up. It's like, I get what they were going for. Obviously, the X-Men is about a group of people. But, man, there had to be a way to make that faster. So much just, here's a person. Here's their story. Here's a person. Here's their story. And then they run out of time, and they're just like, well, Cyclops and Jean Grey and Storm exist. And it's like, <laughs> what, what's their story? We got Wolverine's story. We got You spent uh, a lot of time Rogue's. on Rogue's story. It's like, where's everybody else's story? We don't get enough of that, but also it takes way too long to get the stories we get. Yeah. 
So that doesn't hold up for me. I can see it. The costumes don't hold up for me. I hate them. I hate them. Make them comic, ac- comic accurate, you jerks. Nah. Uh, also, there's a scene where Wolverine steals Cyclops' motorcycle, and then he flips a switch. He hits the red button, and he goes super fast, and it looked terrible. I forgot all about this. I had it written down earlier, and I didn't I, like re-put it in my notes because it, it is so terrible, bad. And it it's pointless. It is, yeah, it does not need to be. I there think it's at supposed all. to be like a funny moment, and it just doesn't work. Dude, just be on the motorcycle. It's fine. We yeah. don't, you don't need a, you don't need the men in black push the red button super speed thing. It yeah. just doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, what else do I got? Uh, and then I said Magneto's plan because I hate it, and the entire fight at the end. Everything mm-hmm. from when they get stuck in the torch of or in the head of the Statue of Liberty, and then. Cyclops can't shoot the thing for some reason because it might kill Rogue, which doesn't make any sense. I'm not sure why he thinks that would happen. Yeah. Then it's like, Storm, can you get me up there? And she's like, no. And then five seconds later, Wolverine's like, well, send me. Even though I weigh about ten times as much as Cyclops. It wasn't it's going to be a lot harder, but, but shoot me up there. While I agree with you, I'm going to nitpick I know what you're gonna on say. your thing. I know what you're going to say. It's all because she's like, I can get you up there. I just can't necessarily control where you're going to go. So if you go over, you're dead. Wolverine can survive the fall. I understand. I, I understand the point. doesn't make it any less stupid. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. Because then literally... I'm just explaining it. Because then literally, like, minutes later, Cyclops just shoots Magneto with his ray anyway. With yeah. his optic blast. He just shoots, do that from the start. He, but Magneto wasn't the problem yeah, before. You needed someone up there who could actually stop the thing. No, he was the problem. No. Just do it. It's stupid. I hate that ending. I hate it. <laughs> it looks bad. It makes no it, sense. It does look pretty bad. Like The it, fight with Sabretooth is like cool. Like I've been waiting this entire movie for those two to square off. And then they cut it to hell and they put it on top of the head of the Statue of Liberty. And it just looks bad. Yeah. Everything about like the last 15 minutes of this movie. I Well, last 10 minutes. Once they get caught by Magneto until the end, I hate it. It doesn't hold up for me at all. Okay. I can see it. That's all I got. That's all I got for the doesn't hold up. All right. All right. Moving on. You ready to go to the orchard? Yes. You ready to go picking? All I'm right. Re- so we're going to go pick for... some nits in the knit orchard. Yep. Go first. I hate the uh, nose close-up trope. You know, when a, when a character is really good at smelling and they have to like smell something, it, clo- it does a close-up. Yeah. It does quote a few times with uh, Wolverine. It does like a close-up on his nose of, his, of him smelling. And I'm just like, I don't even like, think Ugh. I noticed that. Yeah. I probably just block it out of my mind because it's like, you can just show me him moving his head around and I'll understand he's smelling. It's fine. Yeah. They they do the close-up and they do the really loud, like... Oh, yeah, yeah they do. It's, it's so bad and I'm just like, stop it. It is so ridiculous and it makes him seem so weird. That's so funny. Yeah. I literally don't even notice it. All right. My first knit, Rogue's white hair. So in the comics, she has white hair, a little streak yeah. of white hair. I hate how she gets it in this movie. I didn't mind it. I hate it. I didn't mind it. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I hate it. Like, oh no, she lost some life force, so she's going to get white hair. Idiot. But only in one specific spot. Idiot. Stupid. You <laughs> give her white hair from the start. Like, yeah. why not? What was the point? I didn't mind it. I didn't care. That's why it's a knit. Yeah, no. You can't, you can't argue my knit. No, I'm just letting it's you know. It's It's not a knit to me. It's a knit to you, It's though. my knit. Yeah. I'm in the orchard. Okay. Calm down. That's your you orchard. You got your own orchard. Yeah. All right. What's your next thing? Uh, it's a bit of a question. It's how does Mystique know about Rogue and Wolverine's night? Like, 
the whole interaction there. Like, cause she pretends to be Bobby and convinces Rogue to leave. How does she know about that? She was in the mansion. She's been in the mansion for a while now. She might have overheard it. How is she being in the mansion yet? Like, she doesn't make sense with how many places she is at one given time. She's mystique. Yeah. It's yeah. a mystery. Just Hence saying. Just saying. It doesn't make sense. That's no, a great knit. Great knit. Uh, my next one is, how does Magneto's machine work? How I... does his powers of magnetism change humans? In the mutants. I have literally no idea. They don't explain it. They just want you to accept it. And that's why I hate it. Yeah. Literally, I, I was like, oh, you made the machine. And the whole magnetism thing is just to make the machine go. But then wouldn't Rogue just be like, no. So. Right. She can turn the powers off, maybe. I don't know. I hate it. It was. Yeah. It, that whole ending kind of doesn't make any sense. That's why it's in the doesn't hold up. All right. Yep. You got any more nits? No. I got one more. Okay. Holly Berry's voice. Yeah. Just the whole time. Every time she talks, <laughs> I just want to meet the TV. <laughs> I don't know what she was going for, but it's bad. Yeah. Like, either go full in with a heavy accent or don't do one. Yeah. The, the in-between weird thing she had going, I hated it. And the way she said everything so serious. Now, tell me. You, d you didn't get into it in either your doesn't work up or the knit. Um... Why is Wolverine so bad for you? Don't worry. We're getting that in the hot take. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's coming. Sorry. We just hadn't gotten there. I was, I was jumping the gun there. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's my nits. Yeah. Those they, are mine. They annoy me. Here's a fun thing about my Holly Berry's voice knit. Hmm. And you know what? I'll save that. I'll save that till the end when we get into our awards. Oh, Cause, cause it's, okay. Because it's one of my awards and mm -hmm. there's a fun little Google thing about it. Okay. All right, fun times with Google. I, I got, will let I will let you go for. All I got of a this. few of them. Yeah. Hugh Jackman during this entire movie. I don't know if he kept it going into other movies, but he was running late to work one day. Got up, got in the shower. It was cold water, like ice cold water. But his wife was still sleeping, so he didn't want to wake her. So he just gritted his teeth and bared the cold shower instead of like making noise or like panic, you know, doing anything about it. And then he realized. That's exactly what Wolverine goes through every day. The pain and everything, and he has to just grin and bear it and not make a big scene about it. So Hugh Jackman woke up every day and took a cold shower so that he can get into the headspace of Wolverine. Ice cold shower every day because it made him feel more like Wolverine. I mean, do what you have to do, but that seems a little extreme. It's called acting, my man. Yeah. You just have to act like it. You don't actually have to do it. Yeah. All right. Next up, Mystique's outfit. Mystique's look. Yeah. 110 separate prosthetics. Whew. Makes sense, though. It was all, it was really detailed, and it kind of had to be with how much they were going to focus on her. And everything that wasn't covered in a, in a blue prosthetic was then painted, guess with what? Latex? Food coloring. A food coloring? Yeah. They painted her with food coloring. That was, that was her outfit. 110 prosthetics and food coloring. Took forever to do every day. Oh, I don't doubt. I don't doubt. She also had to sit in a, a, a room by herself because she, they didn't want her interacting a lot with the rest of the cast so that she showed up. It was all interesting and cool. And they didn't want a lot of set photos to leak of what she was going to look like. So every time she wasn't working, she just had to stay 
away from everybody and be closed off. Oh, she said that's kind of sad. She said it was terrible and she hated it. Hopefully they didn't do that for the next movie because people already knew what she looked yeah, like. Yeah, I'm sure. And last one I have is at the beginning of the movie, Rogue is hitchhiking with a trucker. Mm-hmm. And the trucker's actor was the voice of Beast from the 1990s cartoon. Aw. They gave him a little role. Kind of sad we didn't have Beast. Available. Yeah, I just thought that was a nice little, little nod. I bet, I, I have no doubt in my mind, I couldn't find anything, but I have no doubt that Brian Singer probably reached out to some of the other members of the 90s cast to give them little roles, and they just might not have been available. Or they might be in the movie, and I just didn't notice it. It could very well be little people in the background. Oh, yeah. All right. Imagine ifs. You got any? I have one. I also have one. Mm -hmm. Go first. Imagine if Magneto won. See, I didn't mind his his whole idea. Uh, It's extreme, but it would have changed a lot of policies worldwide about mutants because the people in power would have known what it was like. But then how do you go forward? The, The franchise is over at that point. Yeah. You can't make any more movies if he wins. Well, to be fair, all these people would, you know, have well, they would all that die. idea. Well, yes, they his would machine all die. Doesn't work. So therefore, chaos would ensue. Yeah, I don't. That'd be weird. I don't like it. Okay. I don't want to imagine it. I don't like it. All right. I got one. All right. Imagine if the characters were more comic accurate, not just in uniforms, but in casting, meaning Hugh Jackman. Never becomes Wolverine. Oh, because he's too tall? Oh, he's way too tall. Yeah. I, just I know. If they were comic accurate. We got to get somebody like twice the size of James Marsden to play Cyclops because dude's a freaking mountain of muscle. Yeah. Jean Grey's got to be like complete redhead and stick figure thin with a huge chest. I Storm think... has to be West African with a real heavy accent. Yeah. I just, I think it gets a little too cartoony at that point. Does it, though? I, I or does it think look it amazing? does. I don't think it does. I think it doesn't translate well into the real world with how crazy they made those characters be in the comics. I think. Yeah, I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't think anything. All right. it, it was, it's, it's something interesting to think about. But I, one of my favorite parts was the fact that they made them similar, but not 100% like the comics, so. Give me the comic accurate X-Men. Well, you know what? Disney owns the rights. They're making an X-Men movie eventually or putting them into other movies. They better do it. Or I'm going to boycott. They don't care about one person, but I, I will do it. <laughs> I won't actually do it. All right. No, no, uh, you won't. Moving on to hot takes. Okay. My hot take is that Storm is sorely underused in this movie. Not a hot take. It. <laughs> not a, not Everyone a agrees take. with me? I'm pretty sure everybody agrees. You have Oscar-winning Holly Berry, who I don't think went... No, she... Did she win the Oscar before this one? I'm not sure. For Monsters Ball? I, I don't know. <laughs> pretty sure she... Hold on. Oh. Keep talking. Keep talking about your hot take. Yeah, I just think... I mean, I like this character. I really wish they would do more with this character. So the fact that they literally just use her to regulate some, like, mist to cover them. Use some wind to push me up there. Yay. Not like you're the most powerful person on this team right now. All right. 2002 
She won the Oscar for Monsters Ball. You have a future Oscar-winning actress as this character, and you just sideline her. You're just I like, mean, I don't know. Didn't she also win a Razzie, though? But that was also after this. Oh, okay. That was for Catwoman in 2004 or something like that. Ah. 2003, 2004. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. That's why I don't think it's such a hot take. Because just, yeah, she she wasn't used. She's very powerful. She can control literally everything about the weather. Yeah. She can create weather. So, yeah, uh, good hot take. My hot take is James Marsden, as Cyclops, should have been the lead of the movie. How do you make that movie, then? Like, what's your plot? Same plot. I don't need Wolverine. Yeah, he can but be he it. does everything by the book. And that's not something that would win. It doesn't matter. He can be he, Wolverine can be in the movie. He can be. He's much better as a side character than as a focus. I know he got his own comic book, but they had to even make him like old man Logan eventually, just so that he was more interesting. He's not an interesting character at all, okay. especially as the lead. Yeah. Cyclops is the leader of the X Men. This is an X Men problem. Why was he not the lead of this movie? Eh, I just, I didn't, I've never really cared about the character of Cyclops, and that's a personal thing for me. I mean, I don't really care about Wolverine either, but I just... Here's the thing. I don't think Wolverine's so. boring. He can't die. Sure, he's going up against the Master of Magnetism, who can rip him apart from the inside out, but he won't. Because Magneto's not really that evil in this movie. So it's just, it's boring. But like, watching the actual leader of the X-Men lead, and you say he's boring? No. He is a Boy Scout, but he's a Boy Scout with an edge. He he goes there. He's been known to go there and get aggressive and get angry, and dude is super powerful. Like, his visor that he wears is to limit his ability. Yeah. He could mess some stuff up. Plus, I would like to see him actually lead a team, strategize, come up with a plan, do something. That's he fair. He should have been the lead of this movie. All right. And that leads me into... Another little subsection that I just created because it is Screw You Wolverine. That is the name of this section of, <laughs> uh, of this category here. Okay. Listen, Hugh Jackman, great actor. Hugh Jackman is not Wolverine. Hugh Jackman is like six foot four, six foot two to six foot four, somewhere in that, somewhere in that area. Comic Wolverine is five foot three and bulky. First of all, Hugh Jackman, you are way too lean in this movie. You get a lot better in the future movies. You, you definitely pack on that muscle. But you are way too tall. I don't think you're enough of a, I forgot my memory. I don't know who I am. I don't feel that from you. I feel like you're just a loner because you want to be a loner. Not that you're actually searching for things in this movie. And then they shoehorn it into the second movie of like, oh no, I forgot. He doesn't know things. It's like, no, doesn't work for me at all. I think Hugh Jackman's just fine in this. I don't think he really adds anything. He doesn't bring his A game. It's kind of just like, I'm going to grunt and look into the distance as if I'm angry about something. It doesn't work. Nothing about this character works. Nothing he says about this character works. His entire idea of like, I'm going to go, first of all, listen to the professor. Because if Magneto actually wanted you, that they thought, so they were like, hey, we, Magneto's coming after you. He needs you for something. So you need to stay in the mansion so we can protect you. He leaves. That's fine. He's a hothead. Dude, you're going up against the master of magnetism. You are made of metal, you idiot. 
oh, I'm super strong. I can fight him. No, you can't. Dude snaps his fingers and you do whatever he wants you to do. Stupid. I hate it. I feel I... like this should have been your hot take. <laughs> no. This is, this is just an addition, but it needed to be its own section. I can't stand it. I get Hugh Jackman is everybody's Wolverine, but he is not my Wolverine. I mean, he's only everyone's Wolverine because he's the, the only, only one Wolverine. who's been Wolverine. But everybody loves him. That's why he's coming back for things. His best performance is Old Man Logan because he felt real in that. Like, he actually added gravitas and, and importance to the character. Every other appearance he's ever made in every single one of these movies, I just do not care. And it all starts with this. Everything he says in this movie is laughable. It's laugh. That fight sequence between him and Mystique is laughable. Wolverine, end it. End it quick. What are you doing? Why are you weak? Why did they downplay your character and make you so weak? I don't like it. I don't like the bromance between him and Cyclops. I know it's not really a bromance, but I hate the way they play off of each other. I don't feel the aggression from Wolverine. I feel it from James Marsden, where he's like, stay away from my girl or I will blast you 3,000 miles away from here. And Wolverine's just like, you want to be friends? I hate it. I hate his performance, and I don't like the characterization either. And Wolverine is not an interesting character. Same reason Superman's not an interesting character. Why I like Man of Steel, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel with Superman, and a lot of people don't, it gave him dimension. Superman being like, huh, I'm invulnerable to everything but kryptonite, and I have no problems. I'm just cheery all the time. Doesn't work. Same thing with Wolverine. I'm brooding all the time, and I'm super invulnerable, and nothing can hurt me. It's not, it's not fun to watch. It's boring. Can't stand it. All right. That's all I can say. Hugh Jackman is not my Wolverine. Get out. Okay. Can't can't deal with it. All right. There you go. That's my. You wanted to know why. Yep. I was gonna get into it later. There it is. Can't stand it. Okay. All right. You got anything else you want to add to our discussion about X Men? No. I'm ready to go into awards. You ready to go? All right. Here yeah. we go. The awards. First up, most replayable scene which is the scene that if you sit down or if you see this scene on TV, you're going to sit down, you're going to watch it, maybe watch it again, and then you're going to finish the movie. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I put Wolverine sticking out his claws for the first time. Okay. I, I like the imagery. I like how feral he is in that moment, and that's when everything starts to actually like happen. I mean, yeah, we're like 10 minutes into the movie only. Nah, we're a good, like, 20 minutes in, because we have... Them. Oh, we've got... I forgot all about Rogue's dumbass story. Yeah. Um, funny, I have the same thing. I have the <laughs> bar fight, the post... Post-cage match bar fight. Yeah. Um, it's that... But in particular for me, like, him pulling his claws out, like, that, that close-up of the claw, his middle claw coming out, looks so good. Yeah. And really puts you in that world right in that moment. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's great. Yep. But they also neuter Wolverine a little bit in that. Because dude doesn't even pick anybody up and throw them through a window. And he definitely would. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. It uh, looks really yep. good. And I really like it. But they could have done more. But they were trying to make him too likable. Sure. So. Alright. I have a. What? Award 
for the weirdest line or weirdest line read in the movie as inspired by Jaws. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the same one for this, right? Of course. It's the one from this movie. It's everybody's what award. Yeah. It's, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Yeah. And then storm strikes toad with lightning. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so bad. Apparently, here's that thing I wanted to mention earlier. Apparently, in the script, and the director, Brian Singer, wanted that to be a funny line. It was supposed to be a little more like, uh, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? And then she was supposed to, like, shrug her shoulders and be like, meh, same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> Strike. Yeah. But Holly Berry was like, no, I'm going to read that really seriously. Yeah. What the hell were you thinking, you terrible decision <laughs> well that's what i was saying like she says everything as if it's like so profound and it's just not oh yeah she she literally gets my what award like the, the what award goes to storm the character yeah because everything she says could win this award yeah but i'm gonna go with that specific line because it's just it's so dumb oh yeah all right i have a you know i'm somewhat of a scientist myself award mm-hmm. for the most memeable moment from the movie yeah what do you got? For me, it's uh, Toad dancing when fighting Gene. It's so good. <laughs> like, he does, like, a little ballerina move, and then he gets back into his fighting pose, and I'm just like, yes. I don't even understand that part. I will... He's it, taunting her. I know, but it could have been my replayable scene, too, because I will watch that part again and again and Every again. Every time. Yeah, I just need it on a loop. I just don't just understand it, but I love it anyway. Yep. Yeah. Such a good pick. Yeah. Such a good pick. What's yours? Uh... Mine is Wolverine giving Cyclops the middle claw. <laughs> Just because it's like that whole idea of saying F you to somebody without like doing the generic thing and, and using the middle finger. Mm-hmm. It's just such a, like a thing of you could just send that to anybody and they immediately understand what it is without actually doing the middle finger. Yeah. So that's me. Next up is an award specifically for this movie. And it is the best on-screen power, meaning mm-hmm. this might not be your favorite power, but this mutant ability looked the best on the big screen. Yeah. What do you got? For me, it's Storm's lightning. I, really? lo- I love the fact that it like c- kind of comes to her eyes, goes uh, a little bit out through her hair, and then the strike. I like it. The whole setup to it? The whole setup to it, and then just the payoff of it's lightning. Oh, so you probably really like the scene in the train station yes. where... Uh, Sabretooth's hair starts sticking oh, out. Oh, yeah. I literally, as I was watching it this time, I was like, you're lightning. You're about to be struck by lightning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good choice. That was mine. That's a good choice. <laughs> uh, for me, it's Cyclops's optic beams, optic blast. Yeah, they look it good. It looks so good. Yeah. Like, it's just light, and yet it feels like it has a real presence to it. Feels like it has weight. It has power. It would actually do some damage. Right. Rather and than when- just shining a, like, a... Laser pointer in your eyes? Yeah. yeah that's definitely what like it could have been. heavy. Like, it's actually there. Like, it exists. Mm-hmm. And when he blasts the roof off the train station, I'm like, damn, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it looks so good. And I like that they gave him the actual visor that he had to adjust to, like, do different levels. Because he uses a low level when he blasts the goop off of Jean Grey's face mm-hmm. in the final fight. And then he's got the big blast when he gets the thing, gets his glasses taken away. We get to see him training with it, and it always looks good no matter what level. I almost picked, like, the adamantium claws because they look really good, 
but there's moments that they're definitely CGI rubber. Yeah. And I don't like it, but the optic blast always looks on point. Good choice. Yeah. I could have used telekinesis too. Jean Grey levitating things looks good. Yeah. Magneto levitating all those guns when they come out of the train station looks yeah. excellent as Although, well. Although, I will say the uh, the actual bullet effect on that one That's why I couldn't looks pick terrible. It. That's why I didn't pick his magnetism because of that one moment it looks bad. Yeah. So, Optic Blast was first for me. Storm's Lightning was second. Mystique Transformations were third. Yeah. That was my order, but Optic Blast's all the way. Okay. All right. Going into our Jar Jar Binks Award, inspired by a character that didn't hold up at all. <laughs> this is the award for the character, scene, moment, something from the movie that holds up the worst. We've mentioned a bunch of stuff that doesn't hold up, but what's the one thing that holds up the worst for you? Wolverine flipping over the crown at the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, all right. That's, <laughs> that's a good so choice. Bad. It is so bad. It makes no sense with physics, and it just looks terrible. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, what's yours? It's Senator Kelly squeezing through the bars Ooh. after he gets transformed into a Ooh. mutant. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, hey, guys, have you ever watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day? Because the T-1000 is liquid metal and he pushes through bars and that was in the 80s and it looks amazing. You're in the year 2000 and you look like garbage. Dude, his, all of his powers look like garbage. And, and he, he doesn't have powers. He just turns into water. Basically. But, but up to that point, he does have those powers. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's rubbery. It, it doesn't look right. Everything about the way yeah. he stretches through is weird because I don't feel like that's the way that they would actually stretch through. Yeah, and for his like head to come back to regular shape, like snapping in that way, yeah. it just looked wrong. It looked like they were trying to go for like an old-fashioned toy, like those squeeze balls where you could squeeze it and then you would slowly watch it kind of go and pop back in. Mm -hmm. But uh, just, I, I can't stand it. Yeah. Every time I see it, it's so cringy. Yes, it is. Okay, last award before we go into final thoughts. It's the Paul Rudd Award, inspired by the man Paul Rudd, who never seems to age. This is what holds up the best. Mm -hmm. What do you got? For me, it's the, the concept of the struggle. The, the idea of them both wanting the same thing, but coming at it from two different ways. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. What's yours? Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I think, like, Magneto has up and down moments. As good as he is, he has up and down moments where I'm just like, ah, all right. He kind of phoned it in in that moment. Sir Patrick Stewart kills it every time he's on screen. And there's nothing better about this movie than him casted as Professor Xavier. He is the perfect casting. He is Professor Xavier. And every time I watch this movie, I am blown away by watching this character jump off comic book pages into real life. It astounds me. Every time I watch this movie. Yeah. So he holds up the best for me. Plus, he's just, he's fantastic. What Always actor. is. What an actor. All right. Final thoughts. All right. For me, this movie holds up. I have, you know, obviously there's some, a little bit of wonkiness with the effects that's going to happen over time. It's not as uh, profound as it is in a lot of movies. In fact, I've seen worse stuff in some of the MCU movies we have today. So that wasn't a big issue for me. This movie has a lot of great things going for it. Between the cast, the concepts that it goes through, 
the actual real life struggles that people have to go through put into a way that is uh, relatable to more than just the, those groups that have to deal with it. Like, I just think this movie was a really great representation of these characters and the struggle that they have to go through. I think it does really well. I think if this movie was made today, it would still be amazing. Fair. I'm not mad at that. All right. I like this movie. It's got a lot going for it. I think some of the characterization is great. I think it's a wonderful cast. The fact that you have two iconic people in Pat Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen in the same movie being best friends but also enemies, they bring this realism and this this weight to this movie where it's just like, wow, I'm in. I'm so connected. They do a great job. I love the variance in the ages of characters so everybody has somebody to connect to. They all have different backgrounds. They all have different meanings. Everything about that kind of stuff works. The CGI holds up astoundingly well for the most part. You know, 80% of the CGI still looks really good. But the story is terrible. They should have focused on just the two groups fighting each other, left out the mutant registration, left out the whole, I'm going to change everybody into mutants. It's a plot that makes zero sense, and I don't even know how the machine works. It's dumb. I hate it. We already talked about it. I don't like some of the casting, like Hugh Jackman. We already talked about it. There's just certain things I just don't like about this movie. I think it takes way too long to get started, and then it rushes to an end that doesn't work. So, it's hard for me. This was a hard choice on if it holds up or not. And the only reason I'm leaning the way that I'm leaning is because of Sir Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen. They hold this movie together. Without them, this movie doesn't hold up. But because they bring such weight to this franchise, I'm going to say that the movie holds up. All right. That's a, you were definitely harsher on the movie than I thought you were going to be, but I agree. Yeah, I, it was a hard choice. I'm, I'm, you could flip me. If you came up to me tomorrow and you said, I don't really like that movie, here's reasons why, and like not just dumb reasons, but actually had reasons, you could flip me to go, oh God, yeah, this movie doesn't hold up. Mm -hmm. That's how close I am. Yeah. That's how close. I'm not as close, but. But I'm going to lean on the side of it holds up. The right side. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> All right, everyone. That is the Does It Hold Up episode for 2000's X-Men. Don't forget to come visit us on all the socials. We got Twitter at Does It Hold Up 13. Instagram, Does It Hold Up 13. TikTok, Does It Hold Up, underscore between each word. YouTube, Does It Hold Up. Facebook, Does It Hold Up with a question mark. Find us on all the socials. Let us know what you thought about this. Um... We got content every day. We put out fun movie facts every single day on our TikTok and on our YouTube channel. So we would appreciate you come over and subscribe to one of those. We also started to review some newer movies. Yes, on our YouTube channel, you can check out new movie reviews. We just put out a review uh, last Friday for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm -hmm. You should come check that out. It's a lot of good fun. In the meantime, you know what to do. Keep watching movies. Bye.